Good tidings and welcome to another episode of Fearless Movie Podcast. Uh, my name is Alex Lupella, and I'm not in the Thunderdome, nor are my cohorts, Nikki Helenza. Say hi, Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Classic. <laughs> and, and Tommy Isaiah. Hello. All right. Uh, and we are now in separate ends of the world, but we have found a way to make it work. And we're here today to talk to you about nostalgia and horror and genre films that appeal to children. Much like us, giant children. <laughs> children of all ages. Big old babies. Yes. So uh, this, this all started when uh, I was, I don't know, were we, we'll just say group texting. That's a thing that kids do, right? Yeah, kids do that. Yeah. All right, great. So we were doing that, and I found out re- that the two of you had never seen The Dark Crystal until recently, and that was really interesting to me because you both generally had a positive review of it, and I love the movie, but I also saw it when I was a kid, and it's a very strange movie to sort of think about the fact that you guys liked it i assume it holds up in some capacity so tell me about your experience with the dark crystal what made you watch it uh what did you take away from it why do you think it's stuck around for so long and why does it sort of live on in our memories uh nikki you talk first okay this um i was doing my weekendly don't do anything and watch tv and i was on netflix and uh you know i knew what the dark crystal was big Jim Henson fan, knew it was, you know, a dark kids movie from the 80s. I'm sold. Um, So yeah, I watched it, had a great time with it. And then a couple days later, Tommy was like, you know, I watched this, uh, this movie over the weekend, Dark Crystal. I was like, oh my God, I did too. (laughs) It sounds made up, but it's absolutely true. So I had one of the very serendipitous experiences of wanting to see a movie and then finding it available on Netflix, which is crazy. Yeah, it never happens. And the reason that it came onto my radar was just from a friend saying, hold on, you've never seen The Dark Crystal? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, but you love stuff like that. Like, I am, like, I am very forward with my love. I mean, I love the Monster Squad. I love, like, Labyrinth. Like, tons of, like, anything that has, like, puppets as monsters. I mean, hey, Puppet Master, there you go. But like and I, you love I am just Master, a right? sucker for things like that, and and uh, and it was crazy that I had never hit my radar, and I needed to rectify it asap. So uh, we threw it on, and it was yeah, that movie delivered. It, it, it was really good. It was it was funny. The voices were great. The characters were crazy. It had the single longest piece of of monologuing narrative exposition at the beginning of it of any movie I've ever seen. First like five movies or five minutes, they're just like panning across like the world, you know, showing like the three sons or whatever and just describing every single thing to you that's yeah. about to happen in the movie. And I, hey, it worked for me. Yeah. I also, I knew about the, um, the Skeksis who are our antagonists. I had, um, known about them from like a song that was based off of the wizard of oz that used the word skexies and then someone or skexis i don't know how you say it what but, song uh, is it uh return to oz by the scissor sisters hmm. and I, I have to look that up now <clears throat> i'm interested in that that movie's terrifying too yeah and um i actually haven't seen that one but then I don't know how, but somehow I was watching a YouTube video like two years ago that showed the character Chamberlain, who's the Skeksy that just goes, hmm. Yes. 
I can't even reach the octave, but Tommy can. But um, so like I knew who that character was. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Love the love our little creepy like a uh, vulture monster humpback. I know they're so awesome. ugly things. They're super scary. They're super scary. They're mm, they're so ugly. It's yeah, weird. yeah, yeah. I was talking to my friend about it after I watched it, and it was a different friend, and he's like, oh, yeah, of course I've seen it. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, my dad showed it to me as a kid. It's and, a kid's movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. And he's like, and my dad always used to come up out of nowhere and scare the crap out of me because he knew the scene that I was the most afraid of in the movie, and it just always used to make me nuts. And it was like the scene when they're eating, and like that, honestly, like, it's this wonderful mix of like makeup and practical effects and puppet puppeteering where they're having like this feast are the Skeksis, like the evil, um, cult cult of vultures. Yeah. And like, whatever, honestly, there's, there's no amount of actual explaining of the plot that needs to be done in this movie because the whole plot is explained in the first five minutes while the credits are rolling. It's true. Yeah. It's a whole sci-fi universe. It's weird. (laughs) And they just are like, Hey, this is where you are. And this is what's going to happen. I also find it interesting that that's like the scariest scene that your friend thought, because like, I thought there was an objectively correct answer for the scariest scene. Oh, and it's definitely when the emperor Skeksy is like dying in his bed yeah. And they're all, like, surrounding him, like, kind of waiting for him to die. Totally. And he just starts, like, crumbling and decomposing. Like, that's fucked. It is so fucked. <laughs> to show that on screen to, like, an audience that is supposed to be parents with their children is a decision that just would not be made today, you know? Yeah. Which is, so, so it makes it very interesting that there was this time in our culture when... um horror movies or whatever thrillers horror movies high fantasy sci-fi all of like these genre films had reached like a peak in popularity that they hit the mainstream and they started making movies in these genres for all ages it's very interesting to me i i I, what's the scariest movie that your parents showed you as a kid and like it was like a kid's movie they bought it for you but it was definitely like horror and like for me, I'll go first, witches, totally. Like, thinking of that scene in Witches where Angelica Houston takes off her face, and it's like that, like, It's crazy... the only scene I've actually seen out of the movie, I mean, just it's... because of the effects. Yeah, absolutely. It's by far the most memorable, and I can remember watching that and being, like, terrified as a young kid. And the idea that you would make something with that as the purpose, to scare little kids, is pretty funny. We don't really do it anymore. What, what about you guys? Did you watch any of that stuff growing up? I was scared of everything as a kid, which is probably what interested me in horror movies because for some reason I really like to push that button because mm-hmm. uh, I remember watching Gremlins with my parents and they probably thought it would be fine, but it was terrifying. Like I was genuinely like up at night, like nightmare kind of fuel, just like Gremlins scared me and rewatching it. It's such a comedy. It's just strange to put myself in that mindset, but like that or even like Jaws when I was a kid, Jaws still scares me and like nice uh it's uh, now that i live by the ocean is extra scary because whenever i'm in a body of water or near a body of water a scene from that'll pop in my head and i'll just be like well this is this was that movie ruined me is basically what i'm trying to tell you and that one's not exactly aimed at kids but that's the thing that my parents were like this will be fine this won't ruin his entire life and it did and now it's one of my favorite movies so that's cool (laughs) but definitely gremlins gremlins would be the one that i was just like that's more aimed at that 
sort of like scare but for kids kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I would say, uh, I don't know. I kind of had a, uh, a different, a different experience. Like the first time I watched the exorcist, I was in third grade. My grandma, <laughs> I would sleep over at her house and my brother would pick out like the Blair witch project. So like, and we'd con my grandma into like taking us to see like scary movie, which isn't actually a scary movie, but it's like incredibly vulgar. So I've been exposed to like, dark deep dirty horrible shit um but i would say like the first movie that i can remember being not even in the horror genre per se but like from a kid's perspective i grew up watching a nightmare before christmas like every day before i would like take a nap as like a four-year-old and um (laughs) i only bring that one up because like my mom had um friends who are parents that would be like oh i don't allow my child to watch that movie you know, there's so much disturbing images. Um, so I don't think, like, that movie is on par with, like, Gremlins or, like, The Witches or even Dark Crystal. But, like, I don't know. So it's kind of interesting, like, the interpretation of, like, what's horror for a kid. Because, totally. like, ultimately, like, The Dark Crystal is kind of this, like, beautiful journey of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a hero's journey type of situation, mm-hmm. which is, like, most kids' movies. But it's just, like, that extra presence of like the antagonist that's like so dark that kind of puts it in that i don't know childhood horror realm you know and even like the gremlins like you have a who's the main one who's the good one gizmo gizmo oh, gizmo, gizmo. About spike yeah he's like sweet little mohawk. angel but yeah it's like if i mean if they had made like the evil gremlins like because actual gremlins that exist like the bad guys once they get the water on them I think in the first one, I haven't seen it in a while. They don't do anything, like, too bad. They're just more, like, mischievous. But they look fucking creepy. You're looking There's at me There's a like couple scenes do. where they do. I rewatched it on Christmas time this year, and I hadn't watched it in years. And definitely compared to the second one, which is just a big cartoon, yeah. it's they are violent, and they will, like, they're, they, like, drive people off the road and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um but oh, they die. They die in horrible graphic ways. They stick one in a microwave. There's a scene where the mom puts one in a blender, um, oh. and like like goop and shit. Like it's it's violent-ish, but it's mostly just the gremlins. I think they cut somebody once, and that's like the only blood you see in the movie. But uh, I haven't watched it in a while, so who clearly knows? Clearly, my perception of horror is a little different. <laughs> I'm a little more uh, disturbed. Yeah, I'm I like mean, the- gremlin in a microwave. That's not like Regan throwing up all over a priest. <laughs> no, it just pops and just. That's yeah, great. So that's I, I haven't seen Gremlins in a minute, but I do. Uh, I do remember. I mean, it's Joe Dante. Um, he does like a lot. He, he dabbles in like a lot of culty comedy stuff, and it kind of bridges the gap. And it's worth mentioning that none of these movies are well, The Exorcist notwithstanding, are uh, <laughs> my favorite are, kids movie. <laughs> yeah, are aren't actually horror movies. They're just movies from a time where horror films. Uh, influenced mainstream media to a degree that there are elements and techniques from horror films in these kids' movies. Whether it's the makeup, uh, in the case of um, in the case of Dark Crystal, it's it's this incredible like puppet and animatronic uh, effects. Whether it's that or the other, or scoring something in a way that is um, more fast paced or akin to something that you might find in horror movies, like the '80s were a hotbed for 
popular genre movies. And that bled into, I think, kids programming very easily. And we're, that's, I mean, the market of nostalgia is gigantic. It's bigger than it's ever been. Like people want to feel the comfort that they recognize from, from, from watching or listening to a piece of media that they used to, to at, at like as a kid or from a long time ago. And it's, it's no surprise that we're such big horror heads being kids from families who grew up around this time. Right. Like, when yeah, I mean, I can tie it so big. I can tie a direct line to it from the stuff I was talking about. The only difference with the Dark Crystal is, as much as like I wouldn't call it a horror film, I'd say compared to other things for kids, it's definitely scary. And uh, I don't remember what I was saying, <laughs> but kids uh, horror not being scary. Oh yeah, it's just there's just something about the the tone of that movie that is so much darker than anything else that came out around the era, aside from Labyrinth, which is obviously comparable even though I might have argued otherwise in a previous conversation <laughs> uh, be- because of the puppets and because of the, I just, for some reason with the dark crystal, I just think of it being like nighttime all the time. And just like everybody is sad and there's despair and there isn't as much like comic relief as labyrinth. So it's, although it's, you know, it's obviously same film company, similar time period and that sort of thing. But for whatever reason, that one sticks in my head just because of it being, I don't know what it is that appeals to me about that one more than something like Labyrinth, but I do like Labyrinth too, so it doesn't matter. I didn't make the point that I wanted to make, but I'm just <laughs> going to keep talking. <laughs> I, uh, I actually, in the like comparison of when we were talking about Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, I was thinking of a better comparison to Dark Crystal, which was the never-ending story. Did oh, either of you see? I feel like oh, that yeah. kind that of had a more... dark as hell. Yeah, okay. like, can, I almost think that's what, what that we should have Can you tell me what that one's about? Um, basically it's a story, it's, and it never ends. And it never ends. <laughs> I mean, it follows, like, a, a little kid in, like, the real world who, like, finds this book in the library that's called The Neverending Story. There you go. He's and not supposed to take it, but he does. Yeah, he's not. He freaking steals it. Idiot. Um, <laughs> and basically, he's reading it, and it's, like, this kind of mystical story about this world that's kind of dying unless this one little boy, um, Atreyu, uh, helps save him. <laughs> that is for sure a squirrel, and I'll be cutting that out of our episode. I will ask a question to the greater group. Do, do, do we remember the name of the movie with, I think, Macaulay Culkin? No, maybe not. Where the books come to life? Page master. Page master. Yes. Is that what never ending story is like? Um, kind of, because like the kid who's like reading the book, they like starts being like referenced mm-hmm. into it. But yeah, it's not animated, it's puppeteer. Don't Nikki, explain to us the never ending story for Tommy's sake. Yeah. So never ending story. Kid goes into bookstore. This is like a live action movie, steals a book called The Never Ending Story. Um, he's reading it about this kind of mystical fantasy world that's kind of dying off because of something called the nothing mm. that's taking it over, which is already yeah. like incredibly dark and ominous and representative of just like depression in life. Um, but yeah, so they have like, you know, a hero named Atreyu whose mission is to kind of go save the world, which is essentially the plot line of the Dark Crystal too. Um, but it's incredibly dark and you kind of have like the the creepy puppet creatures, which are more in line with the labyrinth 
creatures than like the actual Jim Henson puppets of mm. the Dark I Crystal. I think Labyrinth was Jim Henson uh, as well. Oh, well, that Not would that, make sense. I mean, but uh, with Neverending Story, yeah, it's dark because you see characters die that you don't expect to die. In, again, in a children's movie. And the thing that's attacking them is called the nothing. And it is like the existential idea of nothing. They aren't being attacked by a wind or a force. It's just because they just like drop out of existence entirely. Yeah. And that's a little heavy for a kid to understand in the first place. But like the concept of that, I'm just like, how did they put that in a movie? And they have like three, there's three really notable scenes. There's like this big, huge, like rock creature. And you yeah. kind of are introduced to him with these three little friends that are like, there's a little snail and something and something. And you come back to them later and it's just like the nothing is taken over where they lived. And it's the rock guy just being like, these hands used to be so strong, but I couldn't save my friends. So his friends just kind of died. There's um, a Treyu, our hero is like riding a horse and he, they go through like this swamp and the horse just starts sink. It's like quicksand starts like taking this horse down. Yeah. And then the horse is overcome by the nothing and like literally gives up trying. And you like watch this horse just like go like melt into the quicksand is like a tray who's crying. So there's that. Artax is the horse's Artex. name. I just looked it up. Is it yeah. a real? You said it's a yeah, live it's like action. a real horse. It's a yeah, live it's a action live horse guy. struggling in mud just like yeah. to Dude, survive. And then you're I one. It was so disturbing. And then the one like kind of bad creature that sort of represents the nothing is like this like creepy huge ass wolf that's like in this cave. And so, yeah, I guess when you really unwind it, I would say that movie's probably a little, uh more horrific than Dark Crystal now that we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, but I, it's interesting ways in which it goes about. Yeah. But it pulls you out because it's it's a little kid reading a story and talking to himself for most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's super weird. At one point the it like breaks it kind of breaks the fourth wall where the like queen of the land of never ending story, I forgot the name of the land, is just straight up talking to him reading and but she's like staring down the camera and like it's a weird movie but they definitely all are in the same camp of like one probably whichever one came first definitely may have inspired the others to exist so and it has the best made for a movie 80s theme song in the entire world appropriately named the never-ending story and it's just like your synthy, beautiful wonderland of a song. Is it better than? I can't believe Tommy hasn't heard that. Is it better than Mark Knopfler's storybook story, the song that plays at the end of The Princess Bride? Yes, it's so much cheesier. <laughs> and there's and I a love music the video Bride with too. it too. Okay. Live yeah. music. Video. And the person that sings it. It's very androgynous, has like spiky blonde hair and a leather jacket. And like, I remember go into any record store and you'll find like the 12 inch single of it. And it's just stellar. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a banger of a song, really. That's true. The Never Ending Story theme is a banger. That's where I'm going to edit it. (laughs) Yeah. That song is such a, like, I listened to that on the reg. It's on one of my, like, hot jams playlists. If you ever want it ruined for you, you can look up. Newfound Glory did a cover of it in the late 90s. Are you serious? This is like before they were popular, so imagine their sound, but recorded worse. But worse. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Man. I don't think it can beat Mark Knopfler's storybook story. I just, I just don't. We're gonna do uh, an episode for all the Patreon supporters 
uh, all none of them because we don't have a Patreon. <laughs> but it's going to be just me and you comparing the two songs yeah. and talking We're about greetings listen to this from Asbury Park. Okay, so and if you don't like it, you're dead to me. <laughs> all right, I, I, I'm on Nikki's side on this one, and Thank I like you. both movies. The Never Ending Story. Never saw it. It's very interesting that it draws a parallel to the Dark Crystal. Alex, a few minutes ago, you said that even though Jim Henson made Labyrinth, you find it more different than Dark Crystal, than similar to, if that makes sense. Can you explain why why those two movies are so different in your mind, or what sets them apart from each other? I could if I didn't change my mind sort of after starting to talk about it, because <laughs> I, I definitely can't double down on this, because the more we talked about it, the more I was like, it was like this idea planted in my head that the Dark Crystal feels really dark to me, and yeah i know redundant but uh it's the actual tone of it the images behind it like i just i think of like the night sky and sort of the weird skexy like building where everything is black and like just evil outfits and stuff the only comic relief is a little fuzzball that barks mm, fizzy wig that's uh, uh, fizz gig that's what i said that's what i said <laughs> fizzy wig fizzy lifting drinks oh. um but he's uh <laughs> So like that was that was it, and then I thought about the dark crystal, and I was like, he's stealing a fucking baby, <laughs> like taking a child, like an infant. That's pretty dark too. Oh, in labyrinth, I, for sure. What does he do with the baby? What are the goblin? What does he do with the baby? What does he want with the baby? Uh, doesn't he like dance with them in a song? Does, yeah, that's, that's all he, he wanted to do. He steals babies for dancing. That's yeah. Right. I mean, that's I don't think plot. the baby was ever like in danger. But he's a weird dude. He steals babies <laughs> for dancing. You know? Yeah, that's, that's fine. I'm just Let him Google do his thing. Otherwise, you're just. What are you looking up? Why did David Bowie steal the baby? Just straight up on Google, see what you happens. Just type that into Google. That's, that's <laughs> totally. <laughs> I feel like that might be the name of a song by yeah. Weezer baby. or something like that. <laughs> I'll put in I, Labyrinth in the end. It's, it's well past the fact, but the two of you, the so fact that you hadn't seen it when you were older, the, the interesting <laughs> thing about my relationship in Dark Crystal, tell me when you're ready. I'll, I'm, I'll stop I'm all ears. I'm so all you ears. can tell us about the baby. But uh, is that I didn't come across it because somebody showed me. I came across it because uh, my brother and I just saw it in the video store and it just looked interesting. My parents were like, you can rent a movie. And it was entirely just because of the uh, puppets on the cover. So that's really and, that's really like that's how somebody should come around to this movie, right? Like the movies like this, like gems, they're they're best like you you should find them on your own. You should like have that nostalgic attachment to them to go back to. But there is a strength to the style and a strength to like the marketing power of nostalgia that creates an urge for even me. To go watch The Dark Crystal and tell other people to go watch The Dark Crystal and talk to my friends and say, have you seen The Dark Crystal? And hear them tell me the scariest parts of it that they remember as a a kid, even though I don't have an actual visceral connection to that. And I think that it speaks to um, the the power of the style of the storytelling, because maybe maybe The Dark Crystal didn't remind me of watching The Dark Crystal as a kid, but it definitely reminded me of watching other films that it was similar to. Um, And I think it also speaks to just like the connectedness that watching these types of movies can create amongst its audience and the long lasting effect that that connection can have. But you both still liked the movie, even though you didn't have this. It's not like I'm trying to think of something I watched recently that super didn't hold up. Cause I've seen a lot of movies. Oh, 
Okay, here's a really great movie to bring up. Tiff and I watched Beethoven the other day. <gasps> I did too! A, talk about a dark kid's plot. Uh, we just came across them on Hulu, like, doing the thing where you're like, uh, we can never pick anything to watch. And it was like, a, I was like, I'll watch them if you'll watch them. And she's like, absolutely. And we turned on the first one, and holy fuck. One, that doesn't, it does not hold up at all. <laughs> it's It's like... I, I looked at the the time code and the actual plot unfolds at 40 minutes into this movie. The first 40 minutes are just the dad being like, that dog is a rascal. It's, <laughs> it's getting into stuff. That dog. And the, the family is like, but we love the dog. And then at 40 minutes, they find out that their vet is being paid by a gun company to kill dogs. They test them on dogs. And so he wants Beethoven to shoot him in the head. And that was just a plot of a movie. People were like, it's great for kids. Dude. <laughs> well, but the dogs are really cute, right? I also... Dogs are so cute. I it's disagree. just so depressing. I have watched... So um, my family dogs were always St. Bernard's. Not because of Beethoven. We mm-hmm. did not... Um, we didn't... It's okay. You can like it just because it was cool. We liked it because... And we, like, yes, I watched Beethoven. Then several years later, my parents got their first St. Bernard. And since then, have only owned St. Bernard's. They love St. Bernard's. So I spent time. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's a jaguar. Actually, no, I don't wish. Um, So I spent time watching the movie Beethoven, like, well into my teen years. Like, it'd be a sick day, my mom. Want to put on Beethoven? Turner and Hooch, too. Anything with a big dog. I've seen it way more times as an adult than most people ever did as kids. Dude, Beethoven holds up. I don't know what you guys are. Oh, I watched it two weeks ago. What, did you see any of the sequels? No, I don't believe in sequels. Okay. I've seen them, but I don't remember them, and I have to know if the plot is as like pitch black as we want to shoot a dog in the head. Also, the fa- the actors in that movie is so funny. Like the fact that like Oliver Platt is in it and he talks with a lisp the whole oh, time. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like there are lines from that movie that I didn't realize that I knew from that movie, and it was just like that was a nostalgia trip. But like that was one that I didn't end on going. Yeah, I'm gonna want to watch this every year. I was like, yeah, uh, maybe the sequels for more cute dogs. I also, I <laughs> feel like we're hitting on a theme of kind of like dark themes in kid movies versus like horror elements in kids movies because i think of like beethoven and that's really fucking dark or even like the land before time where like his parents just get killed right in the beginning of the movie and he's kind of trying to like survive this desolate land but then you have like skeksis in the dark crystal which ultimately is like a happier hero's journey story you know so it's kind of like an interesting comparison of like sad things or like dark things in a kid movie versus like elements that make it horrific even in a otherwise like positive children's movie arc well and in the dark crystal i can see it going either way like every like every time i've rewatched it i've thought to myself like even if it didn't end on a happy note uh that it still would have probably been a movie that I liked as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's just, it's something that it doesn't pander to children in like the like. It's not like you can see the happy ending coming from a mile away. It's like you can see you want to know how they succeed, kind of thing. It's definitely like you said, like the hero's journey, 
for kids. And I'm not sure why that appealed to me as a kid, because I think I really liked that. Maybe it's because it felt like people were treating me like... An, <laughs> treating me like an adult. <laughs> He's just staring at the window, just barking. we got to include just like one dog yeah, bark in this episode. I'll, I'll leave that one, but I'm going to yell at him real quick. Artie, come but on. yell at him come nicely. He's so handsome. Yeah. He's, he's just staring up at the side of the house, which is probably filled <laughs> with... You want to include, like, nine dog barks? <laughs> Maybe ten. Come here, bud. You okay, bud? All right, he's fine. I like how you so, that for this whole... I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to find... Forward before? Yeah. You, you like, a thesis... What? Why is he leaning right now? <laughs> no. What's this guy up to? I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm just trying to find a thesis or a through line, because uh, rather than get derailed and talk more about, like, uh trying to think of other movies in the vein of Beethoven, you're like, why does that exist? But even like Fern Gully and things like that, that one's another one that I don't think holds up. But I'm interested in the darker plot aimed at children. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that's interesting to me. I mean, maybe because we, I'm completely removed from children's anything nowadays. There isn't a lot of things that seem like it's aimed at like a wider audience but like as an adult i can rewatch these things and still be entertained by them as opposed to uh, i'm trying to something like the emoji movie sure you know yeah like, right. like and so the something like the dark crystal i can't watch it without having those nostalgic goggles so it was crazy to me that you two um you know well into your middle ages our 50s yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, it can still enjoy it, even though you didn't enjoy it as a kid. Yeah, I, I think that that's really interesting. It speaks to the quality of the movie, definitely, because there are films out there that you watch and enjoy just for the per- for the sole fact that you used to watch and enjoy them. Um, it yeah, it, it speaks to the quality, and I, I can separate myself in Dark Crystal. And you said that you had not seen The Witches as a kid, so you could probably watch that that Roald Dahl Witches and. Mm-hmm give a similar like like honest feedback um i mean there's merit to the to those films and to the filmmaking styles that they used i i really thought dark crystal was like just a cool unique movie they don't make a ton of movies like that that's Mm -hmm. that's why i think it's still interesting to people yeah what do you think um i well i think talking about the witches versus dark crystal is interesting too Because while they both have, like, those kind of, like, creepy, scary kid elements to them, um, one of them, like, The Witches, I think, is made with the intention of being, like, a children's horror movie versus, like, The Dark Crystal. I don't think the intention is to, like, completely scare kids. So I'm actually trying to think while we're having this conversation, like, what other children's movies do I think were made with the intention to allow children, like, a glimpse of, like, the horror genre? And I don't know that I can really think of any beyond, like, we had talked about shows like Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark um, and kind of spinoffs of that. But, like, aside from those three things, and, I mean, even Gremlins, like, while it's creepy and you're following these little monsters around. Oh, little monsters. But also that movie isn't, I don't think that movie is meant to be an ultimately scary movie either. There's some really there's some stuff in that movie that scared me as a kid. I I'm curious what it looks like now. Little monsters. There's a, yeah. There's a scene where Howie Mandel's like 
character eats his homework and his hand like or eats Fred Savage's homework yeah. and his hand turns into like a little dog. Yeah. It's like a terrifying like demon looking dog to eat his homework. I don't know why. I just remember that being a thing that scared me as a kid and also the plot of it that just like you going under your bed into a world of monsters cuz you know. Yeah. We're all still terrified of monsters. Yeah, that's still so scary. Okay, I changed my mind then. Yeah, a little because you know I actually, I um, little monsters I watch semi frequently, like every few years. Uh, Howie Mandel. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna say weeks. <laughs> I watched it yesterday. <laughs> Howie Mandel specifically, as Maurice, the monster in that movie, is like one of my first celebrity crushes. Like as that monster. As well as Jack Skellington, but we won't. Let's dissect that later. Those are there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, we'll get a therapist on the next episode. (laughs) I got told that my celebrity crushes were boring recently, and that they're not as fun as Howie Mandel is a fucking monster. And and, and I remember thinking like, well, aren't all of them boring? And now totally, yeah, they are. They are not. No. Yours are not boring oh. at all. <laughs> well, I mean, Howie Mandel as a monster is way hotter than Howie Mandel as Howie Mandel. But anywho, I Don't. digress. There's um, <laughs> So, like, in this monster, so I guess to unpack Little Monsters, it's Fred Savage, as well as Ben Savage, um, and Fred Savage kind of befriends a monster that lives under his bed, and this friend, or this monster kind of takes him into the world of monsters below. And there's... Um, of course, in every monster world, there's a really bad one, even though there's a lot of nice ones. And the bad one is played by um, the actor who is in The Burbs with Tom Hanks, and it's Tom Hanks' best friend. That's the actor. And oh, he, the, 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 the not, but not Bruce Stern. Not Bruce Stern, the yeah. The other one. Yeah. He's the, just, like, the, the, com- the, kind the comedic of sweet relief guy. in that movie. Yeah, he's, he's this creepy, huge, almost like werewolf-like monster, and he has like a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And then he goes up to, like, uh, one of the other monsters who's, like, a little kid. And it's a little kid that, like, carries his head in his hands. And um, the guy comes up and just, like, pushes his eyeballs, like, into his socket. It's not, like, quite as graphic as, like, the Game of Thrones version of that with, like, the mountain. But still, like, I I remember watching this and being like, holy fuck, that's violent. And then the ultimate monster is uh, Frank Wiley who is also kind of a sexy little thing, but he was in The Doors, the movie version. and um, He wasn't a member of The Doors. He wasn't a member of The Doors. He was in the movie about The Doors. Not Val Kilmer. No. And he, like, is literally... He's, he's like, the head, head, head monster. And he, um, instead of looking grotesque like the other creatures, he looks like a boy, like, in a school uniform. And then by the end, he, like, rips off his face and becomes this grotesque so uh, yeah i guess little monsters is probably an intentionally i need to to rewatch this i have no idea how it's gonna be or what i'll I'll tell you what howie mandel is gonna be kind of (laughs) sexy all right that's definitely why yeah (laughs) fiance's gonna watch walk in and she'll be like what are you watching i'm like i'm watching little monsters she's like oh did you like it as a kid i'm like no i'm really looking for titillation (laughs) yeah so no, I, I just need to see how Mandel's sexy I horns. And there's a nod really to the there's a nod to the fly in it. Like he walks into his closet and like the original version of the fly is playing when um some character is like wrapped in the spider web. Oh no. The or the me. fly yeah, the help me part. 
Help me. And that, that to me is probably one of the most disturbing things I saw as a kid was that scene, but through another movie. Oh, see? So, and it's just like you said, a little glimpse into the horror genre for yeah. kids. And that's quite literally what it's doing yeah. in that instance. Um, the Fly is probably the only very good movie we've mentioned so far in this episode. <laughs> ah, I disagree <laughs> but, once but again. But she's also talking about the Vincent Price Fly. Not to say that it's not good, but it's not the same as Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum Fly. Who's also sexy yeah. in The Fly. <laughs> he, yeah, and everything Especially else. when he's half the fly. <laughs> I think that's way grosser than the full fly form in that movie. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Cronenberg. Anyway. Um, I think that this has served as a really interesting um, platform to bring up movies that are so, so, so different from the syndicated programming, if you will, for people, for like young, young audiences today. Um, there's value in like bringing up and reminiscing about titles that have not, more than just nostalgic. Um, the, the value can, can like be used to show another generation of kids movies that are different from what they're used to. And what we're used to in this day and age with movies of, of any, for, for any audience is we are like so inundated with so many options that are so very similar to one another. And these are options that are different. And I really like that in, in a media study, kind of from a media study perspective. Um, watching The Dark Crystal was straight up educational for me because I was like, whoa, that is, a, you, like, you can do that with models and puppets? Like, that was the most storytelling I have ever seen at once through that through that stuff. And that's just the first five minutes of exposition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <you're excited. laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they do most of the storytelling in that. In, in, the, that in the telling of the story. It's wonderful. Yeah. They're like, and just so you know, it was the prophecy that this many years ago, this person would do this thing within the next 45 minutes. Enjoy. Dude, that's and I think oh, the first scene is is a character dying. Yeah, so, the master, oh, the wise old guy. Yeah, yeah. Was his name just the master? He's like, my master sent me. Yeah. And that's another one. Like every movie, almost every movie we've brought up is a kids' movie where where death either bookends. You pretty much bookends the story. It, usually, it starts with somebody dying, and then it ends with somebody dying. And that's so amazing to think that like. I don't know, there's like a, maybe there was like a responsibility toward that lesson from storytellers of a different time um, that made it okay to put death in, in, in kids' movies, but definitely, yeah, like in the first 10 minutes of the movie, it's like, here's all these crazy evil vulture creatures, and here's this one nice looking guy, and he's gonna die, yeah. <laughs> but all those other ones are fine, you're like, no. And like, he's gonna die on screen. I know. In front of you. And like your and like his little friend is gonna like he cry like the whole turns time. to wood. Yeah. He's like, Don't it's go, like Master, weird... I'm not ready. And I'm like, nobody is. Yeah. <laughs> but then like the the Emperor Skeksy dies and you're like, Oh my like that this is great. gruesome. They were all ready for him. Yeah, he's like, like is he dead the whole yet? Time. <laughs> 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 the whole time. Yeah. It's like how he's talking and he's screaming at him. He's got like this like Yeah. Just evil look in his face. Like oh, some God. of the guys were just downright like the angriest look I've ever seen in my life. I also so, thought um, the other scene that I actually rewound it and watched it again. Cause I was like, 
that's fucked is when um Chamberlain and the other guy like fight to be the new emperor. Yeah. And Chamberlain loses and like you think they're just gonna like rip him to shreds. And I think you're supposed to think that, but then they end up just kind of like derobing him. Uh-huh. But like even still it was like really kind of graphic because just humiliating him. It's humiliating, but I'm almost like the way his body looks now, it's almost like the robe was like part of his like skin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's I, it was that was also kind of a disturbing, like body horror type thing to me. That whole scene. this might not be on your radar, but uh, Nintendo recently said that Toad's head—it's his head. It's not a hat. His little like mushroom top, oh. which is super gross. That's that's my body horror thing that I'm thinking is about. The toads, is the Toad's mushroom cap is not a cap, but part of his head? It's his actual head. I can't wait for the horror Instagram account that likes to dissect, like, cartoon characters until... You know how they do, like, the reanimation of, like, really nostalgic cartoon characters and make them really disgusting looking? Yes, I have seen that. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, curious what the Toad will look like on that one. Like a zombie? I toad. guarantee you... a. Th- a 10 second google search you'll find disgusting images of half of toad i'm not encouraging you to do that i'm just telling you you could how, how do i google that toad with his head off uh worth noting that what what did you google earlier oh during um, during this conversation nikki googled why did david bowie steal the baby <sighs> why did david we, bowie steal i'm really the baby? glad we're wrapping up this plot thread please tell me what you found um, all I found was an article with the exact title, Why Did David Bowie Kidnap a Baby in the Movie Labyrinth? <laughs> um, couldn't quite get to it because it wasn't the most reputable website I've ever found. Hmm. So I don't really have an answer. But it just goes okay. to show you the power of the search engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. You're just accidentally creating content while searching now? Yeah, <laughs> I I'm, think so. I'm just going to start getting like weird paid advertisements, that's for sure. It's just we st- need to steal a baby? Yeah. <laughs> we, we got you. So do I Google. Well, it looks like David Bowie? All right, that's kind of weird. Mario yeah, Toad weird. without head. Um, let's. Let, I guess we can wait on the Toad here. I'm, I'm interested in the Toad. Oh. That's fine. Ah, uh, okay, well. So Toad takes his head off. There's like, uh, yeah, cartoons from, wasn't there like, a, there was a Mario cartoon yeah. And there's a legit scene of him with his hat off. Oh, yeah. That was the, uh, it was either the Super Mario Brothers Super Show or Super Mario Brothers 3 animated series. <gasps> oh, I'm a here really we go. cool guy. <laughs> now you're talking. There See, we go. We knew uh, it was out there. I'm, I'm leaving this in just to tell everybody that we will be linking this as the show picture. <laughs> Please send me the screenshot of that. Okay. And that's going to be our show. Uh, announcement it's going to be the headless toad um god that's disgusting headless toad is kind of um fitting though right like we're we're trying to we're trying to talk about bringing element the things that bring elements of horror which we love to kids movies shows kids media media for children that we used to love so it's like it's kind of perfect true i mean the thing that was most interesting to me was the fact that just that that movie holds up to an audience that hasn't seen it before and that is something that i haven't seen a lot of i'm trying to think if there is a movie that somebody recommended to me and i was just like is there anything i'll ask the two of you because i can't think of an example and that would be a boring conversation to have with myself is there a movie that somebody's recommended to you that you didn't see as a kid that they definitely go to bat for and you were like no no because i'm the person that does it that's true. Yes, 
and it's it's gonna be a polarizing answer. The Labyrinth. I don't like that movie. <laughs> I did not what like it. it? I saw like it when movie? I was in high school for the first time, and remember thinking like it was a bit much. I just didn't love it. It, it didn't quite go there. It was like I don't know. I don't know. I didn't like it. I, I saw it a year ago for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. And what did you think? I liked it. I had a good time. I didn't, I... How do you feel about David Bowie's appearance in this movie? <sighs> I love it. Right, Sexy. Great. He's I... no Howie Mandel. <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> I just I just put put that on the box. David Bowie is sexy, but he's no Holly he's Mandel. No Holly Mandel. A, a, a movie that a, a movie that's rooted in nostalgia that did or did not hold up for me. Yeah, didn't would be would would definitely be. What's what's one that did hold up for you, Alex? Maybe a little harder because you you're so well versed in in all things horror movies. But is there something that someone told you about that you're like, oh, how have I not seen that as a as a as a youngster? And then you watched it and liked it or didn't. Not especially, otherwise I would have had an answer. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, probably. I'm not... I guess it's more recent movies, though, where that happens. It's not really... There's like a lot of critical reception that surprises me with recent horror films. Because there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out. And there's a lot of really easy avenues to find it. And uh, I wanted to so badly like this is not a children's movie this isn't even necessarily related to the topic but both the guest and mm-hmm. uh your next were two movies that i really wanted to like and i did not care for them one bit i was like this is just i see what people like about them kind of um your next has this really fun kind of like slash or home alone feel to it after a while and that's fun uh, but the guest was preposterous and i think the reason people remember that movie is because of the like synth soundtrack that movie was are you gonna make a joke about me using the word preposterous nikki it's a pretentious word i'll tell you that (laughs) no i love it (laughs) it's my favorite word i like have you seen have you seen the guest uh no uh it's a family and their military son died at war and one of his military buddies shows up at the house doesn't really say much about it other than just saying that he knows his son or their son and is just kind of like the family's just like well stay with us that's totally fine and he just hangs out and is creepy and the whole movie he's creepy and from scene one he's just like and you're like okay so he's going to be he's going to kill somebody and then he starts killing people and you're like no fucking kidding it's just nobody would have allowed that guy to stay anywhere near them soundtrack it's neat it's very, very like Carpenter synthy, and it's easy. It's memorable, but the actual movie is ridiculous, and it's like a weird action movie that kind of comes out of nowhere. Anyway, that has nothing to do with movies you watch as a kid that <laughs> adults are like, "That's a good movie." <laughs> so I am not super proud of that answer well, it's all right. at all. It's, I I learned something from it. Yeah, Labyrinth was the movie that is polarizing. Well, it's totally it is it is polar polarizing, and it and it is a movie whose um fanhood is not objective it's like a lot of people like it because they liked it you know and that goes for david bowie's in it too that's pretty cool i guess yeah um i was gonna say like speaking of watching things you liked as a kid that didn't hold up um also this weekend i was watching i don't know what i was watching but i saw this actress in it no i i was watching a, a commercial on hulu and i saw this actress that i recognized so I looked her up and I was like, why do I know her? And she was in this show f- 
from, um, I just Googled it, from 1999 to 2002 called Big Wolf on Campus, which I... Oh, I've seen that show. I, I watch it all the time. What? I completely forgot about this show yeah, until... It's like a Fox Family show. Yes, it was Fox Family. Yeah, it was yeah. before... I watched it a whole bunch. Yes. It's, it's a yeah, Canadian yeah. TV show. And, uh, That's got to be a piece of shit. I'm positive it's a piece of dude, shit. Dude, <laughs> it was because I remember um, I watched that show like on the fucking reg. And I watched this episode because they, um, you remember like intros to TV shows back in the day that would just like essentially make a collage of clips from the whole series Mm -hmm. as they introduce actors. Mm -hmm. So I saw one of the clips. I was like, oh, that was the episode I liked. And it was, um, it's essentially Big Wolf on Campus is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but with a guy and he's a werewolf. Mm -hmm. He's like the football jack and he like fights weird shit. Teen wolf. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a... so this episode, like his best friend, who's member of wait, the... he's like the defender. He's like the fighter of other things that are bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Like right, he right. fights. I don't bad remember things. much about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Buffy's he's a good not boy. a vampire, right? She's a slayer. No. She's just a slayer. She's of a vampire. slayer. She's in love with a vampire, or was for yeah. a little while. And she's definitely was... like a chosen one kind of prophet. Prophecy. Yeah, and she has like the That's popular what, yeah. thing, and he's like the popular guy, and there's this whole thing. But this like episode, like he befriends the. Um, He's best friends with the member of, like, the goth club. And um, it's, like, homecoming. Uh, that's the character I remember the most. Merton. What was his name? Merton. Merton. That was it. His yeah, name is yeah. Merton. And he's, like, feeling lonely because, like, uh, oh, my God, I can't remember the werewolf guy's name. But it's, like, homecoming. And he's, like, really preoc- preoccupied with becoming king. And he... Um, we lost Tommy. We lost Tommy. Um, Merton befriends, like, these two girls and this one guy... And they're like, do you want to be part of our gang or whatever? And basically they're spiders and they're fattening Merton up to eat him. And it's truly like the most atrocious thing I've ever seen. And I remember, you know, circa the year 2000, just thinking this song or that show was just so fucking cool, spooky, etc. So yeah, it doesn't hold up. It's kind of childhood horror. I was like 10 when I watched it. And uh, I they do have most of the series up on YouTube, Alex. So if you're of a mind to... Uh, I definitely want to see uh, like a couple minutes of it. I have to remember like... Because it's got to just be... It's offensive I... to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It's, it's uh, that whole channel. I remember when they took over whatever they took over. Like uh, it, we didn't get many channels because I lived in the fucking woods in the middle of nowhere. And so we maybe had like 20 total channels with our cable package and one of them became the Fox family channel. And that I think was one of the shows that started on it, which is no longer Fox family. Now it's ABC family or something like that. And, uh, there was that show. There was just like a whole pile of shows on that mm-hmm. that I remember existing that I remember the names of that I'm not going to get into because it'll just derail us even harder. <laughs> but like, I can't believe that those were ever made into TV shows and that I ever watched any amount of minutes of them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it after the show, but like there's more shows in that block of things that I'm just like, holy fuck, you just reminded me of all this bullshit. Yeah. It's like, it was almost like the repressed childhood memories because it's like you have the movies like labyrinth or the witches that really stuck with you and you always remember them because they were so great and then you have like big wolf on campus that was so bad that your mind was like hey man we're gonna we're gonna let this one slip out you don't need it (laughs) you don't need to you don't need it it. you can keep beethoven but we won't let you keep big wolf on campus (laughs) 
Beethoven certainly, I it's watchable. I I don't mean to make it sound like I hated it. It's more like I was just like, this is. I was surprised it got sequels, and I think just like you would imagine, it got sequels because it had cute dog in it. Yeah, it did mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. cute dogs in it. So many. True. It's it's extra funny because if you rewatch it, pay attention to when he's a puppy because it's clearly like six dogs. <laughs> Every time there's another shot, you're like, that's a different dog. Dude, when I watched this, when I rewatched Beethoven a couple weeks ago. When they show Beethoven like in the little puppy cage at the beginning, I started mm-hmm. bawling because I was like, "Why is he? Yeah, he doesn't have a home." <laughs> That's how Tiff movie. reacts to uh, to cute things too, which I really love. Cute animals. This is another side of me. Like, I it's it's not mutually exclusive. Just because I like horrific, horrible things doesn't mean I also like things that are bright and colorful and positive or just adorable. <laughs> I'm also into that, but. I don't cry when I see them. That's it's it's not like a bad thing. It's just a surprise to me that like it would bum me out if I was overjoyed at something that was cute and I had to cry every time I saw Dude, it. Dude, it's a burden. I, let me tell you. It's a absolutely. It's a I feel for you. Yeah. I cried when the well, actually, damn it. All right, I'll tell okay. you. Say it, come on. I cried. I us. cried. Well, I did. I cried about halfway through the movie Airbud when the kid tells his dog to leave. And the dog does. And he just gets into the car and he just leaves the dog. What kind of cry is it? Like a soft oh, cry? Oh, it was like a like guttural, a... <laughs> like a weep. I weeped. I weeped. Were you alone? Wept. No, no. Warped. Warped. <laughs> I, uh, th- well, even in Beethoven, uh, the scene where he takes him to uh, get put down, I distinctly remember when my childhood dog got put down. And I have a lot of feelings associated with that. Oh. And also, I may or may not have agreed with the decision to do that. So I am extra salty about it still at 31, even though it happened when I was 15. But uh, maybe 16? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Point is, is uh, it was it was painful. So even just being reminded of that during Beethoven, I was just like, and I'm done. <laughs> like, it's not it's not the movie making me cry. It's me thinking about how pissed off I still am at my parents. <laughs> I'm a cool guy. I'm 31. Dude, I, think, I really think our next episode should be, like, something therapy-related. Because Alex and I clearly have some, like traumas from what do I have to be in the group what we mean just you guys because you had the best life you cried during there but (laughs) I like like Jack Skellington and Howie Mandel as a monster (laughs) that's true that's a weird way to shape your sexuality as a child to be like not only are they fictional characters (laughs) but they're like they're fictional characters that are more than unattainable as opposed to I, that's that's ridiculous. I told uh, Carrie this too on Saturday because we were talking about it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Howie Mandel and Little Monsters." She's like, "Howie Mandel." I was like, "No, no, no. Let me show you him." And then she <laughs> saw him. She's like, "Oh yeah, no, that makes sense for you now that I've seen it." He just kind of has this like punk. It's worth noting that he's like his skin is blue and he's got like he's got horns, but he's <laughs> got a mohawk. He's got a biker vest. The way he carries himself is something else. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Is it is it the biker vest that really did it? It was the biker vest. He oh he had like this he had one earring, and it was a skeleton. It doesn't look anything like him. He's completely prosthetic up. There's like no feature of him other than his voice. Yeah, and even that's probably he has not like razor great. sharp teeth. Uh, I just loved his look. That's so funny. All right. So what you're saying? Get yourself a guy that gets his teeth. Filed. He looks like Sully from Monsters Inc. Except for not fat and furry. Who's also kind totally of a hot. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see what Monsters University? He's like the popular guy. He's popular. And I mean, 
everybody thinks success is attractive, and he's very successful. Yeah, I agree. Thank uh, you. Deal, deal or no deal? <laughs> Wait, you were talking about Sully, right? Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm gonna hop off of this Google yeah. image search that <laughs> before, I have. Before Nikki gets carried away with yeah, the Howie Mandel googling. Um, to to wrap, I would love to talk about one more um, movie. I know that this has been like just like a smorgasbord of like naming different movies, but um, here's here's a good one. It's an interesting one to talk about, in my opinion. I'd love to know your opinions because they're doing it again. Right, like we're yeah, we buried the lead, but like we weren't doing this for no reason. Scary, scary stories to tell in the dark is a oh, I can't wait film coming out based on some of the most like graphically intense children's books of all time. Um, if you just were to look up scary stories to tell in the dark, you would probably immediately recognize the art style and be able to think of a time in like elementary or middle school when you might have thumbed through that terrifying looking book in the local, you know, library or bookstore. They're turning it into a movie. And I don't know, I don't think it'll be a kid's movie is probably what they'll do. But I'm super interested to see what they do with it and try to glean why from that. Because in the 80s, horror had bled into the mainstream enough that they wanted to take elements of horror movies and add them to movies made for different audiences. That's why we have things like The Dark Crystal. That's why we have things like The Witches. We talked a couple episodes about how in 2019 there are like close to a dozen um, big horror movies coming out. Like from from like big production companies, not just small ones. So like maybe we're getting a little bit more into the mainstream to the point where they're more comfortable and confident coming out with horror genre storytelling that's not made just for like the niche of people who they consider to be horror fans which i would guess are like you know young adults you know and so horror movie based off children's source material will it be geared toward a children uh, or a, a, a young audience scary stories to tell in the dark what do you guys think I have no idea. I just know that the the books themselves, the thing to remember from them is obviously the artwork. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is probably the most gorgeous artwork you will ever see horror related. I could not get enough of it. And the stories are fine. Um, they're fun. But a lot of them are, it's definitely a children's book. And a lot of them are either reiterated folklore. Some of them were written for it. But it's not anything that would scare you still or anything like that. It's just a fun, delightful memory of your past. Um, as far as the movie is concerned, I think they're going to double down and make it just to be, cause we all grew up right. a lot of like people didn't grow up with it. It didn't keep getting reprinted until recently. So yeah, I don't know. Did you read those when you were younger? Nikki? I did still have them. Uh, God, I don't know though. Cause the ones I remember like are pretty horrific and I could see them kind of going the more like adult route with it is that would you trying to see over over them doing something more akin to what we've been talking about this episode um god that's a hard question yeah like i wouldn't want them to like soften it because it's for kids i mean they can't like the art is so gruesome in itself like it it really is is there's a whole i mean you could see spiders crawling out of a woman's face Mm -hmm. 
People say it's probably going to be PG-13. I'm totally fine with that because I want it to be yeah. – I don't need it to be graphic. I need it to just be spooky. Totally. I want it to be a haunted house. This, yeah. I want jump scares. I want it to be a thing that's like – I want the creature to show up in the last minute, you know, whisper in someone's ear like, I'm back, and then for the thing to end. I don't need it to be creep show. We're going to have that. Um, I want it to be just like a – retelling of a lot of these stories because there's a couple in there like in the trailers that i've seen that i remember from the books so i would love for it to be accessible as well i think that's a a good word for it like something that you can put on and people who aren't necessarily fans of horror movies can tolerate it and maybe even enjoy Mm -hmm. it yeah i think i'm I'm totally cool with that if it sails at a pg-13 rating i am good to go with that which might sound like a platitude to the people listening, but we are three of the most staunch, like make it R-rated people. Mm-hmm. Like, so our willingness to let to like give a little relaxation to PG thirteen is yeah, from relatively speaking, yeah, quite a lot. Contextually, it makes sense. Why would you need it to be something different than what it was? Like, I don't need it to be. It's if you want it to be that, then you want a different movie and story. It's not what you need. Totally. You can watch other anthology movies. I want this to be the anthology movie that you can show to younger people right. to get them into this kind of thing. Totally. Also, yeah, like um, Guillermo del Toro does a lot of PG thirteen, and it's all like a lot of his horror movies have been great, even in that context. No, it's just he li- he likes spooky ghost. Movies. He knows what he's doing to the point where, like, I mean, it doesn't have to. Yeah, I, I, like. Um, the style of scariness that he goes for does not require, um, does not make one squeamish in a way that is like, you know, it doesn't require a lot of blood or mm-hmm. an R rating. So I, I like, I'm looking forward to his vision being transferred from, um, from that, from that source material. There, like, I think it's incredibly cool to live at a time where we grew up loving horror movies because there were horror movies that we could love. Mm-hmm. And now we're in this. Now we might even be re-experiencing that, and that's fabulous. Yeah. And if there's nothing else to add, I think I think that that's a fabulous uh, way to end the conversation about nostalgic horror movies. Uh, we're we're here. We've got titles out the waz. Take what you've heard from this podcast and try to formulate your movie watching for the next month and 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 dip back into that stuff especially if you parent a child dip back into that stuff that you used to watch and 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 let and and use it to kind of formulate um more of what you know today because the horror genre is going through like a cycle of evolution where it's where it's coming back i think call me crazy crazy and uh we're over and out (laughs) 